Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's podcast. I am so glad that you all have decided to join me as we talk about knowing your parental rights. Now, if you're a new listener, I just want to thank you for being here and give a little bit of an introduction of myself. If you don't know me, um, I'm married to Daryl. We've been married for 30 years. We have eight kids. They're ages 15 to 28. Uh, We have six grandkids and we've been homeschooling uh, for about 24 years. Now, um, if you're listening and can take a couple of minutes and leave a review from wherever, whatever platform you're listening from, I would really appreciate that. How the platforms work is that they carry the podcast, um, the, the platforms that carry the podcast will show it to more moms as you leave reviews. And my main goal is to get as much encouragement to as many moms as possible. Also, if you're heading to any homeschool conferences over the next several months, uh, check out the link that I'm going to leave in the podcast notes to the places that I will be speaking. I would absolutely love to meet you and hug your neck. Lastly, I'm going to be part of an online conference in February featuring a lineup of top speakers, including Kirk Cameron, Heidi St. John, Sam Sorbos, and Todd Wilson, just to name a few. So I'm going to leave a link in the podcast notes so you can go check that out because sometimes we can't make it to a live conference, but an online conference works fantastically. So I have been incredibly excited about this episode. I was actually awake during the night praying over it some more. Um, But a few weeks ago, I was praying about what topics to address in the new year and parental rights immediately came to my mind. And, you know, we often found we find uh, a lot of people crying foul and claiming that their rights are being violated and they're offended about everything and essentially kind of see themselves as victims. This is not what today's podcast is about. Uh, parents, God has appointed us to be the main caretakers of our children, and we are ultimately responsible before God for our children. Now, the culture has worked and is working hard to convince us that this is not true. We're being told not only that we don't have those rights and responsibilities, but also that we're not capable, able, or qualified for the job, and nothing could be further from the truth. But we face a real and eminent threat, and it is crucial that we understand not only what's going on, but why. And that's why we're talking about this today. Now, Once I had that topic on my mind, I was thinking to myself, who do I know that might be able to connect me with someone? So I messaged my friend, Vicki Bentley, who I met a few years ago at a conference, and I knew she kind of knows a lot of people in the homeschooling uh, realm. So I thought, okay, maybe she'll have a connection for me. And she emailed me back immediately, and it was really funny because she said, Her son-in-law, Michael Ramey, was the executive director for parentalrights.org, and she got me connected with him, and I'm just really grateful that he's here today. So, um, like I said, Michael Ramey is the executive director for parentalrights.org and the Parental Rights Foundation. He holds a BA in foreign language, Spanish, from Virginia Commonwealth University and a Master of Divinity with biblical languages from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Ramey honed his communication skills through 13 years of ministry, church ministry, before joining the staff of parentalrights.org in 2009. He lives in Winchester, Virginia with his wife, Rachel, and five beautiful children. Michael, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. 
I'm I'm really um, I've just my mind and heart have just been so um, just processing so many different things and kind of what to focus on during uh, this podcast because I want to be the most help possible uh, to the parents out there. But I think a good place to start would be maybe for you to tell us the main mission of parentalrights.org. So Mike Fish, who's uh, no stranger to the homeschooling community, um, he recognized a Supreme Court case uh, from 2000 in the U.S. Supreme Court that really kind of it set the stage to erode parental rights in the states. Uh, it, it held the tradition that pr- parents' rights are fundamental, uh, but it did away with the, the legal test, um, the very high standard that courts would need to override parental rights. And he recognized right away that if you remove that standard, uh, it's going to lead to trouble down the road for parental rights. And so he actually was instrumental. He was the founding president of parentalrights.org. And the mission from the start was to uh, create and get past a parental rights amendment to the U.S. Constitution because, and this is sort of a highbrow legal sort of thing, but the fact is that the only way we can change a Supreme Court precedent once it's, once it's been set is either for the court to revisit its own decision, which of course is rare, uh, or to, to amend the Constitution. Uh, even Congress can't pass a new law and tell the, the Supreme Court that, no, the Constitution means something different um, because the, the Supreme Court are the arbiters of, of what is or is not constitutional. So the only way to fix it is to amend the Constitution. And so parentalrights.org got its start uh, from Mike Ferris and some of the folks at the Homeschool Legal Defense Association and some of his other connections there, um, specifically to pass a parental rights amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Uh, of course, if you look at Congress today, you are aware that nothing as big as a as an amendment, uh, and apparently nothing as common sense as parental rights is going to get through, uh, because they're so divided up there. Uh, and so we've recognized it's a long-term process. We work at it every congressional session, uh, but we have, through the years, come to expand our scope uh, to recognize that okay, putting it in the Constitution is going to take a while, and in the meantime, parental rights are still threatened. So what can we do today? What can we do right now that's going to make a difference? And we've begun to work on some federal laws, um, but more so and more hopeful um, are our efforts in the states to pass parental rights legislation in the states. Um, We also founded the Parental Rights Foundation in uh, 2014. uh, And and that the foundation uh, is a C3 nonprofit for educating, um, bringing awareness to parental rights. uh, And also we weigh in on a number of court cases uh, again, speaking out for parental rights in hopes to shift policy there in the courts. Wow, wow, that's a, that's a mouthful, and that's a, that's a big, huge uh, task. And I think parents are really, you know, they're really starting to recognize we've got some serious issues here with um, some push, a lot of pushback. I, I know I've seen. I've seen your uh, parentalrights.org uh, information articles for years now kind of buzzing through my my Facebook or whatever, and I've often stopped and signed petitions and different things, but I, I'm thinking yes. parents are really starting to feel this and wondering uh, what are some ways that they can um, make a difference? How can they get involved? How can they uh, make a difference and, and hopefully help change things? Right. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's it sounds really backwards to say, but there's a sense in which this sudden onslaught of a parent's right to make uh, medical decisions for their child, especially in the area of vaccines, 
um, has been something of a blessing because it's waking a lot of parents up. Mm-hmm. In fact, they don't get to make decisions for their children. And, and of course, you know, you just automatically and naturally think, well, wait a minute, how can you take this decision away from me? I'm the parent. And so parents are, are a lot of a lot more parents are a lot more aware today than they were, say, a year or two years ago um, because of, you know, really a negative thing that's come about. Um, but there is some good coming out of it. It's waking parents up. Right, right. I think that's so important. I, I, I ran across an article um Somebody posted something from, um, I think it was uh, WikiHow, and it, it was how telling, teaching kids how to go against their parents' vaccination wishes, um, giving them their view of the information and basically saying, this is how you can do this without your parents' permission, which just blew my mind. But I, I can see where, you know, you can just see the um, continual effort to to come between the, the children and the parents. And, um, and I think what you said is great. I, I think it's so true. Parents are becoming more and more aware because of these uh, medical medical things that are going on. And um, I, I it feels it feels kind of like a, a bit of a form of, of persecution, you know, and I, I but I do feel that uh, God uses that a lot of times to wake us up. You know, we've become so comfortable for so long. And what ends up happening is we become complacent and then parents begin to abdicate their God given uh, role in their kids' lives. They started doing that years ago um, in just little ways. And I, I feel like one of the the biggest ways that's happened is through education. Um, you know, when you hand your kids over to someone else for that many hours a week with essentially no real accountability, you can expect things to go sideways. Um, but, you know, I believe God intended for us uh, to to take back, take that role back. And I think a lot of homeschoolers are feeling that. Um, I think a lot of parents who are considering homeschooling are feeling it partially also because of this pushback with the, uh, you know, with the parental rights in other areas. So, um, and it just, it feels like a, a spiritual battle, really, a lot of it. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, on a personal note level, I, I believe you're right. Um, mm-hmm. Let me just give this little disclaimer at the beginning, sure. um, just, sure. just for your listeners to understand. I myself, as you read in my bio, I'm you know former uh, youth and worship pastor, and I am very much a Christian, very much believe in the Lord. And, and I agree with you, it's a spiritual battle. Uh, I want to make clear that ParentalRights.org and Parental Rights Foundation are not a Christian or are not Christian organizations. Um, not, we're by no means anti-Christian, not at all. Um, right. But we're not specifically Christian either because we recognize from the start that we're we can't just preserve parental rights for Christians. Right. We can't just preserve the the right of parents to raise their children in the fear and, and knowledge of the Lord. We have to for us to preserve that right for us. We have to equally preserve the right of a, of a parent who believes something different to raise their child in accordance with their beliefs as well. Um, that's Absolutely. just that's how our nation works. It's how our constitution mm-hmm. works. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, so I would I, I'd be glad to talk with you and, and we'll do so, you know, on this podcast, uh, Christian to Christian, believer to believer. Um, but but I do want to keep in mind, too, that for anyone listening who's not a Christian, who doesn't believe as we are, you know, our organization still is completely supportive of your parental rights as well. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. I think that's great. That's awesome. Um, we pretty much are 100% Christian homeschooling families that are listening. However, I think it's very important for them to know this because, um, you know, we all have friends who believe 
you know, have other religious beliefs or no, no religious beliefs. And it's good for us to know that this is a resource for them as well, should they be running into anything um, that, that they need help with or, um, you know, want to, want to get more information from. So, um, you know, I got a bunch of questions from moms because I just I put it out there that I was going to be talking to you. So we're going to turn to some of those questions right now um, because I think there um, there are a lot of them are the the same along the same lines and they're sort of a burning question for parents across the board. But um, one mom wrote in and wanted to know your your thoughts on. Um, the SB 2173 religious exemptions removed for New Jersey public school kids and future bills to impose vaccine regulations on homeschoolers. Yeah, so um, it's really, let me make this as clear as I can because our position is very clear, um, but, but some folks still manage to confuse it a little bit. So we have absolutely no position as an organization on whether vaccines are safe or whether they're effective. Um, you know, we'll leave that to right. whatever experts and so forth. You know, that's not our area of study. What we firmly believe is that parents are the best people to make informed medical decisions for their children. They're the ones most invested uh, in the outcome. They're the ones most invested in the, the, their children in general and that child specifically. Um, and so, you know, doctors are in a great position to understand medical theory or whatever, and hopefully the latest uh, research, um, if they'll be honest and do the research, uh, and, and a lot of them, you know, are not, unfortunately, but so doctors know, hopefully, their their skill and their profession um, and can advise, but the parent will then take that information and that, that advice uh, into their consideration, but they're the ones who know the child. They're the expert on the child, and so it's deeply troubling when we see these bills coming up all over the country that basically say we're going to apply a one-size-fits-all cookie-cutter approach to vaccines, every child is going to get every shot on the schedule that the CDC says is, is right, uh, and we're going to ignore any evidence, including the CDC's own website, that says that there are risks. Uh, and again, I don't have a position on the risks, but it's deeply troubling that the CDC says there are risks. And lawmakers are saying every child just needs to get this and we don't care what the parents think. That's that's a violation of parents' rights and honestly of the child's right uh, to have the parents making the best decision for them. Right, right. So how are there steps we can take to secure medical freedom? It's uh, yes, but it's going to vary by state and it's it can be an uphill climb uh, in California and New York, for instance, and they've already passed these bills. And that just makes everything that much tougher um, because you have to go back and, and turn things back around. There are a number of states where these bills are still just that. They're bills. They're not laws yet. They haven't been passed. Um, and if you're in one of those states, you absolutely want to be aware of it uh, and you want to speak out against it. You want to make your lawmaker aware that you know your child better than they do. Um, and it just the the... The notion that one size fits all in something as invasive um, as all those injections uh, is just baffling to me. And mm -hmm. so, you know, parents need to be talking to one another, talking to their lawmakers and making clear that, look, you know, this is our choice. And there's a reason it's our choice, because we're going to make a better choice for our child 
um, you know, then you can make in just a blanket statement for everyone. So right. get involved. So, talk to alumni. So how did the, how will how can parents find out what is going on in their state when it comes to medical freedom? Um, so parentalrights.org is the the C4 branch of uh, of our two organizations. Uh, that's that means that we can do political lobbying and so forth. Um, and we try to keep up with those things uh, state by state. It is a challenge. I every year I'm sure there are some bills that slip past our attention. Um, but we really try to stay on top of it. Uh, now, the way we do that, we have searches set up uh, on some legislative websites and that kind of thing, which helps. Um, but we also get a lot of help from volunteers, from folks just like your listeners who maybe um, who maybe have their finger on the pulse in their state. And they say, wait, you know, I just heard that Senate bill, whatever, um, is going to threaten parental rights in the area of vaccines. And, and so they'll shoot us an email and say, hey, have you guys heard of this? And we'll check into it. And sure enough, it's a threat to parental rights. And then we let the people on our list, on our email list, know about that uh, in their state. Oh, so we try, that to keep, is you know, great. try to keep our website up to and let them know um, and especially mobilize people at the, at the crucial time to speak right, out against right. them. Yeah, that, that makes so much sense. I'm really glad that we're having this conversation because I feel like uh, the more connected we are, um, yeah. The better we can help each other, the more we can influence what's happening. And so, uh, yeah, I know parents, I know a lot of parents who are pretty um, on top of what's going on in their legislature, especially in the states that seem to, you know, bring down a, a, a lot more invasive bills. Um, so I, I think one thing I want to do is speak to to the to the families who maybe don't live in those states to 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 start making a habit and myself included to just be more aware of what's going on with your state legislature, because it sounds like uh, one, that's where um, a lot of this stuff comes down uh, from, but it's also a place where we can actually be effective because we, we physically live in, in their jurisdiction. So um, yeah, so that's really great information to go to know. Okay. So, Every parent out there has this fear, whether it's in the forefront of their mind or the or the back of their mind, that they're going to be visited by CPS at some point, um, that someone's going to call CPS on them because their kids are playing outside at 10 o'clock in the morning instead of being in school. So, you know, simple things like that I know have happened, um, and I think we all are a little bit concerned about that. Um, so what? how can parents protect themselves um, in the event, let's just say it happens, they find out that this is happening or it, it begins to happen? What Can you give them any, um, any advice? Sure. Um, let, me, let me start with a little bit of big picture uh, explanation, and, and then I will come back to your, your question um, in a little more detail because um, it's a great question, um, but I want to lay some groundwork. So in a lot of states where where parental rights are being upheld, they're being upheld really clearly and well in the state Supreme Court. Um, and so then the uh, appellate courts, the courts of appeals, um, also will look to those Supreme Court decisions and uphold parental rights, and they do a pretty good job of it. And some of the states that have really good state Supreme Court precedent will surprise you. Illinois, for instance, um, has really good state Supreme Court precedent that says parental rights are fundamental rights, and they demand strict judicial scrutiny, which is the highest standard of protection. Uh, and laws that don't measure up to that standard are violating parental rights and are unconstitutional. And that's a great thing. Um, but that's at the appeals court level. Now, when somebody, when CPS is at your door, uh, they're getting, they're talking about taking you to family court. 
Um, and so basically what it comes down to is uh, you have a pretty easy time, relatively speaking, of, of getting your parental rights respected at the appeals level, but you have to go through the nightmare first. Um, mm. And so, so that's kind of the groundwork I wanted to lay to say this, that having a good lawyer makes a huge difference. Um, you know, there are rights um, and there's, uh, there's what's right. And then there's also, you know, what's wise. Um, now, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not giving legal advice. I, I am not legally allowed to do that. And, and honestly, you probably wouldn't want my legal advice anyway. I don't know as much uh, as it might sound like I do, but um, but so, but you should get a lawyer. Um, now, some of the rights, you know, the Fourth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution does apply to CPS workers. You can tell them that they can't come in your house. Uh, you can tell them, you know, that they can't. Um, that, well, yeah, that they can't come in. Um, but I understand it's wise to let them see the kids so that the CPS worker is not fearful. Uh, maybe let the kid come to the door or something. But uh, but again, that's the kind of thing you want to talk to a lawyer about. Um, and uh, I can honestly say, you know, I, I am uh, our president and whatnot are associated closely with Homeschool Legal Defense Association. Uh, but they are uh, they have a great track record. Uh, so if you don't have a lawyer already, you might consider them or some, something like them, a homeschool mm -hmm. legal defense association. Um, because then when the CPS worker comes to your door, you can pick up the phone and call them and they'll talk to the CPS worker and they'll stand for what your rights are. And um, particularly if it, if it deals with homeschooling. So, right. Um, yeah. Right. Well, I like, uh, yeah, that's. That's yeah. that's great. I will include the link to um, HSLDA in the in the podcast notes. But um, I like what you said because I think the hard thing is to know how far I've heard this um, told in stories. You know where the where the CPS worker is insisting on um, talking to the children alone without the parent there. So are you saying that based on the Fourth Amendment we can say yes, you can see the children, but no, you cannot visit with them alone unless and, and I, I don't know what what else would we say after that yeah um well i mean if they get a court order uh then you know then you have to do what the court has ordered um right. and so basically the thing is you're you're inviting them you know if you get a court order then then sure but if you don't have a court order um you don't have you know some kind of probable cause then uh, you don't need to be alone with my child and that's just me protecting my child from a stranger um, right yeah. So right. personal theory, if I can just share this here. Sure. Um, absolutely. I've, I've noticed that a lot of times the people who are the social worker, the people who are the child care investigator, they went into a line of work wanting to save children and wanting to help children. And they're of that mindset of helping people and of serving people and of saving. Mm -hmm. people. But now their actual job is one of being an investigator. Uh, mm -hmm. So they're basically doing an investigation sort of like a police officer. Um but they're often not as uh, skilled at it, perhaps not as they don't. Uh, a lot of them, you know, they went into this to save children and help people and not do investigations. And so they're not necessarily of the same, you know, cut from the same fabric as your good right. detectives and investigators. But they're trying their best to, to do an investigation and they think that they need to talk to your child alone, um, you know, or your child is in danger. And so it's just kind of where the job and their expectation of the job don't always line up. Right, right. And I think it's I think it's important. I like what you said about 
um, remembering the person, you know, the that that CPS worker to us, you know, some of some of us can just be thinking not personally about the person, but to but to actually stop and think this person started doing this because they want to help people. So there is an element of good intention there. And so if you can maybe um, um uh, somehow resonate in the conversation with that good intention of that person. Um, I think that that would go a long ways to diffuse the situation. Just a friendly, you know, that you respect their, you know, their job and their uh, desire to help people, and you know, something along those lines that I think could really keep keep things from escalating, so to so to speak. But it's nice to know. Um, kind of where that line is as far as needing a court order because I, I didn't know that. So that's a, you know, that's something that could be really helpful for families to feel like they're not just completely uh, subjected to whatever that person tells them they have to do um, at the door. They actually know what their, what their rights are there. So that's really, that's really great. Um, okay. Uh, another question I wanted to ask, um, let's talk specifically about, um, best practices for hospital stays, talking to doctors in general. Um, how uh, the, the question asked was, how can we get pediatricians to stop discriminating based on medical choices that families make? Is that even possible? Yeah, so the tough thing is, um, I believe uh, strongly in um, freedom of conscience, and I'm sure you do too. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're, we're not big on, um, you know, having laws saying that, that a doctor has to perform abortions, um, you know, if you're pro-life or, um, or that a, a cake maker uh, who, who is an artist uh, really is, uh, has to do a, a, make a cake for same-sex couples if he's opposed and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and that goes both ways is the difficulty. So uh, if a pediatrician has been persuaded that every child should be vaccinated and they don't want to see your child unless you vaccinate, um, just as one example, um, then, you know, they have that freedom of conscience and we don't want laws ordering them to see your child. Uh, but it is getting tougher and tougher because really it's it's not something to be solved by government at this point. It's something to be solved by the market. Um, mm-hmm. And that means, you know, leave that pediatrician. Don't see them again. Go see mm-hmm. someone who doesn't have that problem with you and you don't have that problem with them. It's just that that's getting harder and harder to find. Right, right. That makes perfect sense. We were able to, we've been able to in the in the couple places that we've lived, few places we've lived, to to find a doctor who was um, open to having that discussion, you know, and to answering our questions, but not making any uh, force, uh, you know, any kind of force at all. Um, on us and and what kind of decisions we were making. I remember our son, um, our youngest son was born with transposition of the greater arteries and two holes in his heart. So he was in the hospital for the first two months of his life. And um, under the circumstances, I felt very, very strongly that he shouldn't have any vaccinations at that point because his little body was already fighting for its life and I just didn't know how they would that would affect the sort of delicate situation that was going on but I knew 
that more than likely they would they could easily come in and give him a vaccination while I, when I wasn't there because I couldn't be there 24/7 for two months straight. I had seven other children at home. Um, I was there for big chunks of the day, but um, so one of the things that I did was put a note on the top of his chart. So every time the doctor pulled it out, he could they, anybody pulled it out, they could see it that I that they were not to give him any kind of vaccinations unless they called me first. And um, that was something I just felt like the Lord sort of put on my heart, kind of my mom intuition. And um, and I think that's one thing moms need to understand is that, you know, you are uh, tuned in to your child more than anybody. I think, Michael, you were saying this earlier. We know our children more than anyone. And there was something in my mom heart that was saying not at this point. And so I put that on his on his chart and um, I'm really glad I did because I know that um, they called me a couple of times saying they wanted to give him this, that, or the other thing. And I said, no, thank you, not right now. And so um, my point in telling that story is um, to just know that even in a hospital stay or in a situation where you're um, surrounded by, you know, the medical field, you still have, uh, you can still take the time to listen to the Lord's voice and to listen to that mom, you know, sort of your gut instinct and do what is best for your child. You know, um, I just wanted to encourage moms with that. So um, one caution there, um, one thing that you did uh, obviously very well right from the start, um, and that's so important, is anytime you can start with, you know, your doctor and they know you and you're on the same page. It can make a huge difference. Right. Uh, so, right. you know, there are parents who have taken that kind of precautionary measure, same as you, but but with a doctor who maybe didn't side with them and and things can go worse. So right. having the having the, the good a good relationship with a good doctor is huge. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now well, you mentioned it, um parents being the expert and, and I just something um I shared with you by email when we were talking about doing this um that I really want to share because it also will encourage your listeners. Um mm-hmm. So, so, so there's this uh, fairly understood and accepted um, axiom, I guess, that that it takes about 10,000 hours to become an expert at something. Um, and I know that you know society tries to tell us that the the public school teachers are the experts on education, and the doctors are the experts on medicine, and, and all this stuff. And um, I, I remember, you know, I'm kind of a sports fan, and several years ago, read an article uh, about some of these top-ranked quarterbacks and all the time that they spent in playing football to where now when they see something on the football field, they've seen it before uh, because of all the hours that they put in. And so at about 10,000 hours, you become an expert uh, in something. Um, The uh, Federal Department of Labor um, has shared a statistic on their website that on average, a parent, before the child reaches the age of six, the parent will invest about 16,000 hours in their child. So by the time your child reaches the age of six, you are already the expert on your child. You may not be a medical expert like the doctor or an education expert like a school teacher. But our our, uh, board chairman actually took that statistic and did some math and crunched some numbers. And he sorted out that for a public school teacher to become an expert on your child, they would have to have your child in their class every class period, all six hours of the day five days a week for 16 years. Mm. Uh, and wow. we don't put our kids in public schools for 16 years. Uh, right. So in other words, they, and that's just for them to catch up with where you were or begin to catch up with where you were when your child was six. 
So <laughs> you are the expert on your child. Oh, I love that. I know when you emailed that to me, that just blew my mind. And I found it very interesting that it's right about, you know, around six years old that, you know, you're starting to do some schoolwork with them at home. You know, you're starting to, you know, maybe you've done a little bit at five or whatever, but, you know, right around six, you're kind of diving in and and starting to do maybe a little bit more. And just, if you just think about that, I just, I love the way, um, you know, God works that out, that, you know, by the time we get to that point, we are an expert. And I just, I I just, I hope parents are really absorbing that, what you just said, because it's, it so flies in the face of everything we're being told as parents. I mean, it's, it's getting to the point, it's, it's ridiculous, but it's beginning to get to the point where they're basically saying parents are irrelevant. And, I just think nothing could be further from the truth. And uh, so thank you for sharing that. That is just, that's an amazing statistic. So what would you tell me, um, what what do you think is the biggest threat right now as far as uh, parental rights go? Do you think it's a medical threat or what? Well, it sounds like an oversimplification, but I think the greatest threat is how many people don't know there's a threat Mm -hmm. Uh, that that really is what it comes to the medical is absolutely a threat um and not just on vaccines but if you take your child and you know you you had a uh, a child with a complex medical condition um but i assume that it was diagnosed pretty much right at birth and they knew what you were dealing with yes Uh, there are a lot of parents out there their child has mitochondrial disease or some other complicated issue it takes them years to sort out what's going on and so Mm -hmm. by then they might have seen four or five different doctors, three or four different specialists, in some cases, many more. And it just takes one hospital or one doctor somewhere along the way to say, you know, this parent is fishing. This parent is, is hunting around. There's nothing wrong with their child. And next thing you know, on top of dealing with their child's health issues, the parents are also having to deal with a, an unwarranted you know, child services investigation. So, uh, so the medical issue is definitely huge. Um, education is huge. Uh, and then, you know, vaccines are kind of where the two come together. You have to put your child in our schools, but but you have to give them all the shots to put them in our schools. Um, so it, it, there are a lot of, just a lot of issues. Um, mm. You know, it's, it's one issue. It, it really is. It's one huge issue. Um, and all of these really are symptoms. Symptoms right. of, a, of a society that says, you know, our children are ours and we know better for them than you do. So, you know, here's what you got to do. Right, right. So as parents, no. we have to stand together and say, no, they're my child. I know my child. You don't. You know, here's right. what we're going to Right, exactly. Um, okay, so that that whole, you mentioned the education um, piece of it. I want to I talk about that for just a minute because um, I... One of the things that I do a lot is encourage moms to really to slow down in homeschooling their kids, um, tuning into their needs, understanding when real learning is happening. Um, And this message really resonates with moms. But um, every now and then I'm reminded by a mom of how stringent her particular state is. So most moms that I talk to, they live in states where they can they can kind of do this and still meet the requirements. But uh, for a mom in, say, New York, for instance, um, she finds it at best very, very hard to have this approach. And at worst, she feels it is impossible. And so uh, the feeling that I get with this is that it essentially kind of feels like 
they're a slave to the state and having to do the opposite of what they might feel um, is best for their child. So my question is, when do state requirements for homeschooling, um, do they ever infringe on our civil rights? And how do we walk that out while not putting our families under, you know, needless scrutiny or investigation? Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, yeah. So I, I should I should preface it with this, that because I work so closely with HSLDA, I'm actually less of an expert on the homeschooling uh, because okay. when it comes up, I let them take care of it. And I take care of parental rights stuff that, that they shoo my way because it's not homeschool related. Um, But having worked with them so closely, uh, I I do understand um, a few things. One, over the last 30 years, it's become pretty well established that homeschooling is a constitutional right and it's legal in all 50 states. That wasn't always so, but over the last 30 years, uh, homeschoolers have won that victory for themselves. And uh, and so you have that right. And and that's a great starting point. Whenever a state law comes up that that threatens that constitutional right of parents to direct the education of their children, I know groups like HSLDA and, and others, um, Alliance Defending Freedom and some others will will rise up um, and challenge that law. Um, so the real difficulty that we face, and this is true in so many aspects of parental rights, is that Sometimes, even if the law doesn't violate your rights, the application of the law violates your rights. Um, And that does happen. That happens quite frequently. Um, Sometimes it's just one employee, and and so you can call their supervisor and and get it straightened out. Uh, Sometimes, you know, it's a new secretary of education for the state or something who who thinks, yeah, we got to get these homeschoolers in line. We've got to get, you know, we've got to know who's doing what and when we've got to oversee all of this. Uh, and it's a bit more challenging uh, to educate them to the rights that homeschoolers have and that in in most states, at least, homeschoolers are not under the State Board of Education. Um, excuse me. But then you do have the challenging states. And there are some uh, that have put homeschooling under the State Board. Uh, and, and that's just that really is a tough situation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And apart from giving my sympathy, I, I don't really know, you know, a whole lot that I can tell them. Be sure you have a good right. lawyer connect with HSLDA or something like that, um, you know, to preserve your rights when they are violated. Yeah, um, I, I think that's great. I think, um, again, going back to HSLDA, I think that's a very, very, very important resource. Um, just as just kind of from one homeschooling mom to another, um, I just I think the one thing that just resonates with my heart and mind is um, something I tell moms all the time, you know, as Christian homeschooling moms, we are connected to the creator of the universe, the God who made our our kids. Um, but also he knew where we were going to be. He knew where we were going to live. He knew what kind of laws we were going to be under. And I can't help but think that as we pray and listen, that he can really give us wisdom to show us um, how to keep the law without losing the spirit of what he has for our families. And so I just want to throw that out there as as a little bit of uh, encouragement in that way. So I just feel like he's such a creative God. You know, he created the universe. He created everything we see. Surely he can be creative in in helping us uh, navigate this and keep that 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 spirit that um, he has for our kids um, in our homeschooling journey. So let's see. I have other questions on the list here. Um 
So I, I have lots, uh, several moms who have asked about ways that they can be involved. Um, how can they share? So maybe you could tell us how um, to connect with you, your organization, and then ways that they can support parentalrights.org and mainly, the main thrust, get that message out there. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we have two websites, parentalrights.org. Um, parentalrights.org is a C4 politically active um, lobbying grassroots, um, working to push the parental rights amendment, state laws, bills, uh, getting laws enacted that will preserve parental rights and that kind of thing. Um, so everything where your donation can't be tax deductible because we're doing political stuff, that's parentalrights.org. Um, okay. But that's also the one that can let you know, you know, what legislation is coming up in your state, what the threats are there, um, so that you can reach out to your lawmakers. So I would urge your listeners to go to parentalrights.org and sign up for the email list there. Um, okay. <clears throat> now, Parental Rights Foundation is a C3. It's education and policy. So that's where we really work at letting the other parents who maybe haven't heard about the issue, uh, letting them know about it. We also work at, at educating uh, lawmakers, uh, which is not the same as lobbying. It's, it's, it's sort of a, an interesting divide there. We can tell them all about parental rights and why they're so important. And as long as we're not telling them, so vote against this bill, uh, we're not lobbying. We're just educating them. And so uh, those donations can be tax deductible because, again, we're not lobbying. We're not pushing for a specific congressman or a specific bill or anything of that sort. Um, and policy, we can even come up with, OK, this is what parental rights should look like. This would be a great bill for somebody to pass in their state. Uh, and as long as they, you know, until they take it back to their state and submit it and give it a bill number, it's still not lobbying. We're offering a policy. Um, and so, again, that's that's Parental Rights Foundation and the website there is parentalrightsfoundation.org. Um, but the two uh, sides are closely knit together. Uh, we do separate the work. We separate, um, you know, where the donations can go. But it's essentially one mailing list. So if you sign up at either site, uh, you'll get news from us both um, to help you uh, educate your family and friends and also stay involved. Right. That's awesome because, you know, obviously we talked about this earlier. Every state is a little uh, different and some are vastly different. So uh, this would be a great resource to find that out. And, you know, and I was just I was I was thinking in, about these families who are listening and, and I've talked to um, homeschooling families along the way who have taken the time to gather a group of homeschoolers, go to their state legislator, meet their um you know, the representatives and their congressmen, um, just to have that personal connection. Um, because I think that can be very powerful as well. Just a, a very personal, hey, these are our kids. These are real people. So when homeschooling laws and things are coming uh, through that um, they're going to be voting on, they're going to have in their minds these little faces and these interactions with these homeschoolers. Um, these, it makes us real people. And so um, I think that's one of the uh, one of the best things that that families can do um, as far as just on a personal level. And plus, it's also great for our kids to, to go there and to see what's happening and how our laws are made and to meet these people who are making our laws. And um, it just makes it all very, very real. So um, I, I just thought I'd throw that in there. So do you have any um, any other words of encouragement or anything else that you wanted to share before we finish up here? You know, one more thing that, that occurs to me, and I think maybe the Lord's just laying it on my heart to share this mm. with your audience. Mm -hmm. um, we are not in this alone. Um, mm. The whole parental rights struggle, and it's not just conservative homeschoolers. Um, we want 
our rights recognized and respected so that CPS isn't knocking on our door threatening to take our children away because they're not in the public school. We get that. Or because we want to teach them about Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we understand that. And, and for every one of us, there's a mom in an inner city somewhere uh, living in a broken home, working three jobs, trying to put food on the table for her children. Mm-hmm. And she's yes in the neighborhood every day. And they're wanting to take kids away from her, um, saying that she's neglectful just because she's struggling you know, to pay the bills. Uh, right. And she wants her parental rights protected, too. And she may not know Jesus. Uh, mm-hmm. She may not be concerned about homeschooling. She may not even think that's an option for her because she's got to work so much. Um, but the fact is we can stand shoulder to shoulder uh, with with her um, because we're, rec- you know, it, we're we're both in the same boat in terms mm-hmm. of the question of who's going to make decisions for our children. And so it's not just a conservative Christian uh, battle. Uh, we have a lot of allies and friends out there who don't look like us or sound like us, uh, you know, but we're in this together. Right, right. I think that's a I great think that, thing. It's a wonderful thing. I think that common ground is is recognizing that common ground is crucial because it it enables us to connect with um, you know a bigger, wider group of people who have the same, like you said, the same concerns, just coming from a different perspective. Um, so I appreciate you sharing that. That's that's uh, a really really good reminder. Um. Well, I'm just, I'm so grateful that you were here today. Thank you for taking the time to be with us. Um, it's been a it's been a blessing. It's it's so good to, to have gotten this information and to be able to have this resource that we can go to. So um, we've got the, con- uh, the connection information, and I will put that in the podcast notes. And um, again, thank you for being here. We're going to go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Wonderful. Okay, Lord, we thank you so much for this time. Lord, we thank you for the information that was shared here today. We thank you for giving us um, the tools, Lord, that we can um, walk in confidence and also understand um, where we can take a stand, where we can uh, defend um, not only our parental rights, but the parental rights of every parent who deserves to make these decisions for their children, Lord, we we pray that as um, Michael and and the parental rights organization works on our behalf, Lord, that you would bless everything that they put their hand to. Thank you for the work that they do. We pray that you would provide for them in every way, financially, um, and in every other way that is needed to continue uh, working on these things, Lord. I, we. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for the privilege of parenting the children that you've given us. Um, we pray that you would help us to walk in courage and not fear. Um, and thank you that um, you love us and that you are our protector and provider. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.